It is uh, 708 on your Monday evening. That means one thing, time for the uh, first edition of the Employment Hour this week. Skulls here and uh, sitting in, I guess, for the first time this year of 2019, Dave Vaughn back in the uh, the hot seat and answering all your questions. This, of course, is a call-in show, and you know that by now. 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell. You also have one 225 talk That uh, particular number is toll-free for the remainder of the night, of course, so feel free to call in, ask your questions. Email works as well. That is help at employmenthour.com. Lots of stuff to get through tonight. The severance pay calculator. We'll talk about clarifying misconceptions with respect to severance with Dave. But first, Dave, I know you always start, as does Lior and uh, the entire crew that does this show. Uh, the week that was, what do you got going on, pal? Uh, show I'm or uh, the first uh, situation I wanted to talk about was a uh, recent file I uh, resolved with a uh, an employee with about ten years of service. Mm-hmm. Um, I shouldn't refer to him as an employee actually because he was considered an independent contractor right. by the company. Um, just over ten years of service, um, worked solely for this company. Um, he didn't work, you know, didn't have any other sources of income. He uh, he had an office there. He reported to someone within their uh, within the organization. Uh, they paid him a, f- a set salary plus commission, but the the salary was quite significant. I mean, it was probably seventy five percent of his income. Um, he used their computer, cell phone, software, everything like that, and he had to be at work at a standard uh, standard amount of time. Uh, it was you know standard Monday to Friday, yep. uh, eight thirty to five. And uh, in fact, we you know part of the evidence we had was. Um, emails where they told him you must be at work during this time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know this because I, I, you know apparently he he may not have or some some of him and some of his staff members may not have been at work all the time. Or they okay. you know they go for longer lunches or things like that. Uh, decided to work from home and um, the company said no, you actually have to be here um, from this this time. And that was extremely helpful um, f- for the case because when they let him go, they uh, paid him nothing and huh. uh, you know just. Uh, you know, kicked him out and said, you're a contractor. That's what the, the document says. Uh, so we don't owe you anything. And, uh, you know, it doesn't matter what the, uh, as you know, John, that what the contract says. That's right. Um, because if that was the case, every employer would just make their employees independent contractors. Sure. And you, you wouldn't owe them uh, anything in terms of statutory holiday pay, vacation pay, and you could let people go and uh, not give them any type of uh, termination or severance pay whatsoever. So you completely... Get rid of the Employment Standards Act and uh, and the common law uh, severance pay, and that would be a dangerous situation because then you know companies could let people go without any notice or pay in lieu of notice, and we'd have all these people out there who are getting let go, yep. and they have all their these financial responsibilities, mortgage, you know, school payments for their kids, um, you know, everything, car payments, and they've just automatically get let go with no severance pay, nothing to bridge the gap. So um, there's a reason that the law protects people like uh, my client. And uh, he was entitled to severance pay, and uh, you know, after a, a mediation, we were able to get him that severance pay, and mm-hmm. with the uh, you know assistance of a mediator and uh, the the company's lawyer, uh, we were able to agree on a, a fair settlement, reflective of his ten plus years of service. Wow. Um, he was in his uh, late forties, and um, and uh, you know had a had a sales role, and uh, so that you know, we were able to do that, and uh, you know, it just shows when I first spoke with him. Uh, I remember he was very insistent that no, the contract says I'm an independent contractor. It says I they can let me go whenever whenever I want. I was paid as an independent contractor. I wasn't, you know, they didn't tax me at source and, and whatnot. And you know that those factors do not matter. It's the the law looks at the reality of the situation, the reality of the relationship, and 
um, you know, if there's control by the employer, if they tell you where to go, tell you what to do, tell you where to be, um, it doesn't matter what the contract says, how you're paid, you're most likely going to be an employee and entitled to severance pay. Again, 416-870-6400, star 640 on your cell to uh, make your call, ask your questions tonight. We'd love to hear from you. It is a call-in show. Uh, second part of the week, that was, what else you got going on? Yeah, another one I uh, dealt with, which uh, I find is very common, is a, uh, a short-service employee who uh, has a senior professional position uh, in his mid-50s. And he had uh, two years of service, approximately. Mm-hmm. And he's get, he's let go. They pay him the ESA, which is two weeks, and offer him an extra two weeks to wow. sign a release. Wow. And, you know, some people would see that and they say, oh, well, you know, it's, it's a month. Oh, sweet. And, yeah, yeah, it's a month. Uh, he's only there for uh, two years, so um, can't be that bad, right? Or right. You know, it might be a decent deal. And, uh, you know, under no circumstances would that be a reasonable settlement proposal for someone in their 50s, um, you know, a professional position, two years of service. Um, his entitlement would be at worst four months wow. and I, I think more likely six and there'd even be some support for for a bit more um to, you know up to eight or something just depending on how difficult sure. it is to find you find a job um how unique the position is the the industry and whatnot and um you know we we resolved that just through negotiations and it was over in a couple of weeks because uh you know we we explained to the company um, why this individual? Why that's not a fair fair settlement proposal for this individual? And they did, uh, you know, get a, a lawyer involved, and who who obviously knew the law, and we were yep. able to come to an agreement um, on a on a fair set package, and uh, d- definitely uh, increased that uh, quite a bit. You know, Dave can do this uh, in his head, but if you want to check it out as well and figure out how much severance you would be owed if it ever came down the pike that you got let go, or maybe you just did, or you're just your spidey sense is telling you it might be on the horizon, severancepaycalculator.com is a good place to go. Uh, call in show indeed for the remainder, please. 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale. Don't be bashful. We'll get to uh, to Chris, I think. Chris, our first caller of the night. How are you? Hey, Hi there. Um, so my... Uh employer is going through possibly going through a mass termination Mm. um and i was just wondering like i know the minimums are started eight weeks if it's over 50 people um but i was also recruited uh within the past year uh to start up a new department so i was wondering if i would be entitled to more on top of that because i didn't go applying for it how long uh, have you been at this company um less than a year about eight months eight months and how old are you uh, 32. 32. And what what type of job do you have? Uh, I'm in food services. Okay. Um, and, and type of title, like just generic uh, title? Yeah, manager. Okay, man, yeah. Um, and how long were you at the previous job? Six, uh, just over six years. Okay. So I'm there's very a good standing. Six years. And then how did the uh, recruitment process unfold? Did you? Uh, I was through a friend. Okay. Uh, that I was referred and then contacted by the company. So it's not like you were out there looking for jobs, sending your resume out. They actually reached not. out to you. Yeah, correct. Okay. And um, what that what that could be, what that concept is, is called inducement. And so when we talk about what a severance package should look like, you know, as you know, we we talk, look at age, years of service, and position. Um, and so, and that's why I asked you those questions. And someone with eight months of service. Um, you know, it's obviously not going to be as high as someone with eight years of service. And in, but in your case, um, so let's say you didn't, you weren't recruited. Um, your age is thirty-two. Manager eight months. I think you'd probably get 
three months of severance pay. Okay. okay. I, I think that's probably the high end. Now, but because you were recruited from another job, it's possible that the law would recognize your previous service when coming up with your severance package. So instead of being a eight-month employee, you'd get treated closer to being a six-month employee. Or sorry, six-year employee. Correct. And that's, that could make a big difference because that could push you into, you know, as opposed to three months, six months, eight months uh, worth of severance pay. So it could double, um, even more than double um, what you're owed. Um, okay. So what I would do is, um, I, you haven't been let go yet, right? No, this is, um, um, it's the very beginning process. Okay, so it could happen. And, um, you know, what, if you do get let go, um, don't sign anything. Just uh, contact our firm and we can go over the, uh, the termination letter with you. And we'd want to see a, a copy of the employment contract that you've signed. Absolutely. All right. Okay. Perfect. Appreciate that kiss. Uh, Chris, thank you for your uh, your call. You want to reach out and get a hold of Dave and the rest of the team. Simple 1-855-821-5900 is the way to go about that and help at employmenthour.com. And of course, refer to it once again, because I know you did in your head there, Dave, and that would be the severance pay calculator available at severancepaycalculator.com. We've still got a, a couple minutes to go here before we get into our uh, our one break. I want to uh, start on this one, as I mentioned off the top of the show, and that is clarifying misconceptions with respect to severance. Tell me about this. Yeah, the uh, you know the, whenever I speak to people, um, there's a, everyone has a lot of um, you know preconceived notions in terms of severance pay, and uh, it can be you know things like they they start the amount you get, um, and um, you know what what the termination letter says, what the rec- record of employment says. Like is it a, is a termination the same thing as being fired? Um, and there's a lot of misconceptions out there, and I think sometimes it's you know just because people Google it, um, they could be reading something from this, you know a different country or province, and uh, or maybe their human resource department uh, tells them one thing, you know this this is a fair offer, what, what we've presented you with, um, and it's not always the case. So w- what I would say is because of these misconceptions, whenever you are dealing with a situation um, in, in in terms of being let go or you're dealing with some issues in the workplace. Um, maybe it has to do with a medical leave or a parental leave. Uh, give uh, you know, give us a call because uh, you you know you can always uh, you know you you may be down, going down the wrong path. So we'll get to our first one here before we get into a break and uh, again clarify misconceptions with respect to severance. You have to work. I love this one. At least five years to get severance, David. Five years. <laughs> yeah, that's a uh, very common yeah. one. And, um, you know, that comes from the, the fact that under the Employment Standards Act, there's something called statutory severance pay, uh, that it is, you do have to have five years of uh, service to get that, and your company has to have over 2.5 million employees. Um, and But that's just statutory severance pay under the Employment Standards Act. That in no way impacts your severance pay, as we as it's referred to, under the common law. So you could have, um, you know, uh, you could have, Four years of service and a very small company, and the severance pay you could get could you know still be over six months. So um, don't let that uh, those two those two parts of the ESA the, the statutory severance pay regarding the uh, five years of service and mm-hmm. the two point five million dollar payroll don't let that fool you because it does not impact your common law entitlements. 
Should mention a lot of these are going to come from, uh, you know, your Uncle Bill or the guy you talk to across the fence and your neighbor says, oh, no, this is how it really is. That's why they are misconceptions. These guys are not generally employment lawyers. So that's why we're clearing a lot of this up tonight. Your friends will tell you they don't know. Oh, yeah, two weeks per year is all you get. So that's why we are getting into this topic tonight because it is uh, super important, uh, by the way. The phone number, 416-870-6400, star 640 on your cell, one 225 talk That number is toll-free. Misconceptions. When it comes to severance, the company has to have a payroll of $2.5 million. That's another one you hear, usually on the tail end of the five-year one, right? Yeah, that's the uh, they're uh, together there, and that's because of yeah. the statutory severance under the Employment Standards Act. Um, again, don't let that fool you um, when it comes to common law severance pay, um, because you could Google that severance pay, and the, the first thing that's probably going to come up is the Employment Standards Act. Yeah, and right. it'll say those rules, five years, $2.5 million, but um, it does not impact the the common law severance. So, um, and it actually brings out another point: is some people think, um, you know, oh, my company's a really small company, so and, and it's based right. on that. So I'm not owed. I don't, I'm not owed as much. I can't. There's no way it can be owed um, as much severance pay as my friend who worked for uh, you know some multinational company. And that is not the case in terms of common law severance pay. Everyone is going to be owed the same amount of money. To, regardless of the size of their employer. It ha- that has nothing to do with it, the size of the employer. What it will depend on is your years of service, your age, your position, and the availability of similar work in the market. So it doesn't matter whether you're working for a, you know, Joe's Pizza Depot or you're working for a company that has hundreds, if not thousands, of employees, same rules apply, right? That's right. So uh, it's, it's yeah. important to know. And uh, you know, obviously, in, from a practical perspective, bigger companies yep. are going to be more able to pay the severance pay so you may get a better offer um, from them initially they may be able to pay you pay it out to you as a lump sum as maybe a smaller company has to give working notice or um, you know installments or something like that but at the end of the day uh, your your severance entitlement under the common law is exactly the same whether you work for a three-person shop or a multinational Good stuff. Taking a short break. The number 416-870-6400, star 640 on your cell, one 225 talk That number is toll-free. would love to hear from you. It is a call-in show, as it is every Monday, Wednesday night, and the weekend shows as well. Lots more Employment Hour is on the way on Global News Radio. Listening to the Employment Hour on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Plenty of time for you to call into the Employment Hour. Ask Dave your questions about your job, your severance, your boss, or an employee. As an employer, it is a call in show as always 416 870 star 640 on your cell and 1 225. Talk that number is toll free. Ever want to consult a uh, proper website to find out how much you should be owed? You don't have to shake your head any longer. That would be severancepaycalculator.com. Continuing our uh, conversation here, Dave, on the clarifying misconceptions with uh, respect to severance. Uh, the next one up is when you are let go, you get two weeks or two weeks for every year of service. That's that's, that's the norm is what they say. Yeah, that is. Uh, I hear that one a lot uh, or you yeah. know, month per year of service, week per year of service. And I, I think the, the week or two weeks per year of service comes from the Employment Standards Act because, right. um, you know, there are, you know, under the Employment Standards Act, there's uh, a week per year of service basically for um, termination pay up to eight weeks. 
and then uh, statutory severance pay, as we've uh, discussed uh, quite a bit today, mm-hmm. um, is a week per year of service up to 26 weeks. But again, you have to have um, 2.5 million, your company uh, payroll, 2.5 million um, in Ontario to get that, and five years of service. Um, I think that's where those uh, misconceptions come from. And uh, that's, that's definitely, um, you know, can be true under the Employment Standards Act, but does not um, does not apply to the uh, the common law, and that's why whenever you and I are discussing this, we always talk about uh, the age, position, and years yeah. of service, and the availability of similar work. What I mean by that is, you know, how how easy, how difficult is it for uh, for this person going to be like to get a new job if they go out there? Sure. Because the whole point of severance pay is to bridge the gap of unemployment. Um, so people, you know, can uh, can take you know, start looking for work basically and find yeah. something. So there's no break, you know, not not a significant break in in their income. Um, so they can keep you know meeting their obligations and paying their bills. So um, that's why we look at those those factors. Those are very important factors to look at, and you can't reduce it to just you know a week per year service, two weeks per year service, or a month per year service. You have to look at all the factors and consider the context. 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell, 1-888-225-TALK, toll free. We'll get to uh, Mary here next up on the line calling in. Hey, Mary, good evening. How are you? Hi, good and yourself? Great. What's uh, what's your concern? Okay, so two questions. Basically, the employer, do they need to accommodate when an employee is coming back from a long-term? Like a long-term and- disability? Yes, and also amendments. When are amendments uh, required, and does it matter when it's signed? So in terms of the uh, the first question, absolutely, yes. an employer has an obligation to accommodate an employee, um, their, their medical disability or their medical condition, and that um, you know happens at the time of the injury or, or disability that when it arises, it happens during the need for the leave. So, you, you know, they have to respect that leave, uh, the leave of absence. They have to provide that leave of absence and they have to accommodate when they come back, the employee. So that, that involves allowing them to come back, um, you know, providing a job or a similar, you know, their job or a similar job to them. And in a lot of cases, what we see too that is involved in that accommodation process is the um, the employee will have certain restrictions or you know require modified duties or maybe a modified schedule, and the employer has to accommodate that. So they have to work with the employee, um, you know, within reason to meet that. And it's usually based on what the employee's doctor has provided. Okay. What What's and the specific the- scenario you're asking about? Oh, well, no, basically it's very similar duties and uh, we just wanted to know, like, can we push back, but up to what point can we push back? So the, the pay is the same, the hours are the same, yes. it's just the duties are a bit different? No, it, it, it's just, um, again, I'm trying to understand what my boss is getting at in the sense of, I don't know if he wants to make this person leave. So I have no idea. Okay. I just want to make right. sure that we are in with the law, and got it. And then and we just go from there. That's what I want to make sure I inform my boss. Okay. So yeah, I mean, you should, um, you know, if you want to talk about the specific scenario, and um, 
you know, the, the, the actual, the, the, you know, specific details. Um, I'd be happy to do that with you uh, later this week. Um, but yeah, the general rule is you need to accommodate um, the, the disability, including allowing them to come back to their job or basically a substantially similar job. I mean, if small changes are made within the organization that aren't, um, you know, basically punishing that person for, for um, you know, designed solely to punish that person for uh, taking the leave, um, you know, the, the small changes can be made. But, uh, like, uh, do you say that maybe ten percent of like maybe the duties or the hours can't? It's like a give that it's acceptable. Well, it really depends on the reasons why. I mean, are the, okay. is it organizational reasons, or is the employer just implementing these changes in a way to drive this person away and essentially not accommodate them or um, to punish them for taking this leave? Um, so you have to tread very carefully in these circumstances. Um, you know, if because of operational needs, you know, the, the hours of work have changed a bit or the, the schedule has changed a bit or maybe, you know, a small part of the job's changed, um, you know, 5 to 10% of the job's changed a bit and there's a legitimate reason for requiring those changes, then that could be acceptable. Um, but, it, it, again, it, it'll depend on the reasons in the context. Okay. So to provide any more helpful um you know, you know, information. I'd need to actually discuss the changes that are being made. What What was the job before? What is it now? And why did that come about? Okay, perfect. And also amendments. When are they needed? And basically, does it have to be signed by the employee before the actual amendment? Yeah, that's a great question. So you're talking about amending the written employment agreement. Yes. Okay, so yes. you can't. In, an employer can't impose. You know, an amendment into the contracts. They can't force the employee to sign a, con- a new contract. So the employee is perfectly you know, in their right to say, I'm not signing that. So I'm not agreeing to that change. Mm-hmm. Um, in response, the employer can say, okay, fine, and back off. They can terminate the employee without cause and provide them severance pay. Or they can basically just advise the employee that, you know, as of this date, um, you know, I'm giving you working notice that as of this date, this uh, your your contract will change in this way, and this new term will be implemented. And there, you know, and and you know, this is your working notice, and that avoids a constructive dismissal claim, or at least um, provides the. I shouldn't say avoids it. it. What it does is it allows the employer to have given notice of the change, um, which is effectively giving working notice um, of termination if they, the employee decides to allege constructive dismissal. Okay, what if just the company name is changing and nothing else is changing? Right, okay. Um, So if that's the case, you likely wouldn't need an amendment to the employment agreement um, because it's just a, you're just changing the name of a company. So it's not, there's no need to change the, um, change the employment agreement. Thanks, Mary. Appreciate your call. You want to reach out further, so we got to uh, we got to move on here. Help at employmenthour.com and one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. And we move on down the line to Teresa. Teresa, thank you for uh, for calling in. How are you tonight? Well, um, I'm not good because I don't have a job. But, All right. Um, thanks for this. Uh, thanks for this opportunity. Sure. Um, I was uh, terminated without cause. I asked them why, and they said it was a. Uh, it was like a corporate decision, and I asked them uh, if I'd like to learn what I did so that I can correct it for the job, and they said, there is nothing. We're just terminating you without cause. And um, I was in the process. I had been hurt with my knee, and I was in the process of getting a, a knee brace so that when I did more 
difficult uh, work with my leg or whatever that I could put the brace on. So now I see that, like, I'm, like, all my benefits are going. Plus, we had a stock option that was going to be coming along. And um, mm. I guess because of the fact that uh, we got the stock options, that means we got no raises. So, like, I was wondering, um, one, about the injury, two, about, um, like, compensation for lost stock options and like termination without cause can't they say like what's your, like what the problem is yeah that's uh, a, a tough situation to go through um and into a couple points um or, or answers uh, i can provide is um off the top an employer does not need a reason to let someone go so they actually, they're right in not, they don't have to tell you why they're letting you go. Um, they don't need to have warned you previously that, you know, there's issues with your job. Um, there may not be no issues at all. They're allowed, it's their business, they're allowed to let you go. Mm-hmm. What they have to do is provide you a severance pay. And right. the way we determine the severance pay is we look at three main factors, age, years of service, and position. Um, how many years of service do you have? Just under two. I was going to be finished. Oh, two years is going to be March six. And then how old are you? Sixty-two. And what type of job uh, did you have? Uh, production assistant. Okay. So someone, you know, in your shoes, would you know, probably close to four months. Um, could be, uh, could be six. Um, that would be the range. What has been offered to you? Uh, what you said, two weeks, like to finish out my two-week period and to give me another two with benefits included to that point. So a month uh, of compensation, basically. Yeah, um, so yeah. yeah, that's not uh, not going to be, that's not, you know, good enough under the common law. And um, one of the interesting points you keep making about benefits and pension and everything, you should get all forms of compensation during that four- to six-month period. So okay. you should, um, you should, um you know, insist on that, and um, and basically, I would give us a call tomorrow, and we can discuss mm-hmm. this in a bit more detail and just determine next steps in terms of how we can get you a fair severance package. I also do have a concern um, about the reasons for termination that they may have terminated you because of um, this medical issue you had. So I do want to discuss that in more detail too. Yeah. Um, so you have to have a lawyer. You can't just take your let that letter and say I'd like to have I'd like to offer this myself I can't do that that doesn't stand up with them it has to be a lawyer right you're uh, you know you're absolutely able to do that you are permitted to do that um, I find that it doesn't usually work and that okay. companies aren't um, you know if they're, they're not going to take it seriously unless you engage a lawyer right. that's my experience Okay, cool. thanks, Teresa. Appreciate that. Uh, it is help at employmenthour.com and one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. We are uh, moving on to Nikki. Hi, Nikki. Yeah, uh, thank you for for hanging on. Uh, what's your concern tonight? Hi there. How are you? Good. What's going on? Um. Okay. So I'm calling on behalf of my cousin. Um. So is it okay if I say like the company name? I'm not quite sure. I probably, yeah, probably wouldn't. Yeah. Okay. Not necessary. Okay. okay. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, nevertheless, um, she was working for um, like a really big company um, in Canada for like the past, let's say, eleven to twelve years. Um, so she was diagnosed with schizophrenia. 
Um, so she was going to her psychiatrist and uh, doing everything that was asked of her. And she was approved for um, LTD, um, CPP. And there came a point where she was better. So um, she went to her doctor, got a note saying that she can possibly come back to work. They suggested an IME. Um, so she went there and this doctor had written the fact that she will never be able to work again. Um, so her psychiatrist disagreed. So nevertheless, she's um, ever since been applying for jobs and potentially has an offer to take up another job. So my question to you tonight is, um, would now if she were to take another job, would she lose her package? So she's so she's been offered a package. No, she has not been offered a package. She's been approved on CPP disability, and she gets like um, a certain percentage from her employer. So is she still on? She's still an employee. That's correct. At this current moment, she's still an employee. Okay. So if she accepts another job, it could, it's yeah, it's probably not a good call because then I mean she's told her employer that she can't work, and then she's going elsewhere to work. Oh no! But her, their doctor. Oh, has the, clearly stated the that company's she, she doctor wanted to go back exactly. So she had uh, sent an, a letter from her doctor. Got it. Okay. That, yeah, she wants to come back. They said, okay, well, here's an IME. Um, she went through her IME. Their doctor came back and said, nope, um, she's she'll never be able to work again. And have they offered her? They haven't offered anything. Okay. Except for the fact that you need to go apply for CPP, which she has. Got it. Okay. Um, yeah, there's. A number of issues that are uh, that come up here, and um, you know that's obviously not the how they should have uh, approached this. Um, no. If her doctor's saying she can go back to work, um, you know, it, I find it confusing and you know, strange that they would have an IME to say no, you can't. Right. Um, and so that that's not right. And even if they're correct, their their doctor that she could never work again. Let's just mm-hmm. assume that was correct. They would still have to pay her at least her Employment Standards Act minimums. Um, which in her case would be approximately 20 weeks, so four and a half months worth of pay. Um, but from the sounds of it, you know, this is just a, it's going to be a termination or a, you know, a constructive termination because she's saying, I can go back to work. Her doctor's saying she can go back to work and they're not letting her work. And they're not, right. Yeah, so, so they're effectively. Disability right. currently, and she's also getting like a bit uh, from her employee. Okay. Her employer, sorry. And it's probably through their LTD or um, LTD policy. That's correct. So, um, yeah, th- this is, um, she does need to, uh, she should contact our, our firm to discuss this in more detail because, um, you know, that that's not right what they're doing and either they should be returning her to her job or they would owe her severance pay. Okay. okay. Now, so the now, other job yeah. could be, mm-hmm. if she accepts that, it, the way it could impact it is that it could um, basically mean that she... It could cap her damages somewhat um, because they're entitled to some set-off in terms of any income she earns during the severance period. Okay, got it. So, um, and what number can I reach you at? I'll give it to you right uh, now, Nikki. Thank you for calling in. It is 1-855-821-5900. Again, 1-855-821-5900. Email is available as well. You want to get a hold of Dave and the team. It is help at employmenthour.com. You still have time. I'm talking about you listening to this show. It is a call-in show. Lots of time to call in. Ask your questions just like that. 416-870-6400. Star 640 on cell is the number. And uh, we'll get to uh, go from Nikki to Nick. Nick, thank you for calling in and uh, and hanging on with us. How are you tonight? Good. How are you guys? Good, pal. What's uh, what's going on with you? 
I just had a brief generic question of uh, the Employment Standard Act versus collective agreements and how uh, the uh, Employment Standard Act protects against uh, collective agreement being negotiated to be less than the entitlements of the Employment Standard Act. However, in most cases, the collective agreement sometimes is better in overtime, etc., stuff like that, but not severance. How come... Um, Things like common law and age don't get factored in when collective agreements are negotiated to like a week or two per year and then capped. You know, how come the Employment Standard Act doesn't uh, protect against that being less than the entitlement of the Employment Standard Act? Fantastic question. Great question. So the the collective agreement always incorporates at least the Employment Standards Act entitlements. So under a collective agreement, you can't get less than the Employment Standards Act entitlements, okay? So, but what the Employment Standards Act doesn't do is it doesn't impact or say anything about common law. Common law is a presumption that every employee has in Ontario who's, you know, that um, in in terms of their severance and termination pay entitlements, for instance, okay? And that presumption can be rebutted, so it can be, you know, they can get rid of that presumption by agreeing to something else. So in the non-unionized context, that happens when you sign an employment contract and it says, you know, you will not get common law, you will only get your Minimum Employment Standards Act minimum entitlements. That's when that happens. In the unionized context, it usually happens because to get a deal... The union agrees with the employer that they will pay, you know, upon termination, the Employment Standards Act will govern or something, you know, another formula, um, whether it's, you know, a month per year of service or two weeks per year of service or something like that. Um, so it really is all up to the negotiation between the union and the employer. Okay, but in a situation where usually in a collective agreement there's no mention of common law or any of that, so isn't it a presumption of perception of the language? I don't know because I don't um, I don't deal in the unionized context, so I don't read a lot of collective agreements. Um, but I are you saying that it doesn't like for say? The, for example, if the language isn't there, that common law will not apply in the collective agreement. Then couldn't there be a challenge made that uh, because the Employment Standard Act protects against going below the entitlement, that you could challenge that common law isn't mentioned? So it could be brought forward. No, because the Employment Standards Act doesn't protect common law rights. I see. Okay, so yeah. it, that's that's why that's happening. And I, I don't know whether, you know, so, some collective agreements may you know, specify the amount of severance people get. I assume they do. Um, but, um, and that's up to you know, uh, an agreement between the union and um, the employer. But in a lot of cases, um, unionized p- jobs are protected, right? So there is no without cause termination. Right. Um, but it, it all comes down, if you're in the unionized, uh, if you're a unionized employee, it all comes down to what's in the agreement and what's negotiated between the union and the employer. Nick, appreciate uh, your call. You want to uh, discuss further if you have any other questions about that. one 821 5900 Moving on to, uh, to Daniel now. Daniel, thanks for the uh, phone call tonight. Thanks for waiting. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. How are you doing? Great. What's, uh, what's going on in your world, pal? Yeah, my roommate was laid off um, after working six and a half months. Um, he was laid off without cause, and um, he wasn't given severance. Um, 
I tell him he's owed severance, but he said he's not because he was giving one week notice before termination. Is he owed severance? And how many weeks or months of severance is he owed? It's a good question, Daniel. So they are the employer is entitled to give um, severance pay in this circumstance by way of working notice. So that one week of notice that your roommate got, they would get credit for. And that is equal to his minimum standards under the Employment Standards Act, assuming he is governed by Ontario's um, jurisdiction. He's not a Canadian, you know, he's not, uh, doesn't work for a, a company governed by the Canada Labor Code. Um, in terms of how uh, the actual severance pay above and beyond that, how old is he? He's uh, 33. 33, six and a half months of service. And what type of job did he have? Um, it was a, it's a consulting company. Okay, consulting company, um, and so you know, I'd have to obviously know know more a bit more about the the job and and everything, the t- the title and the duties and responsibilities. But um, you know, I, I would say he'd probably get somewhere around two months uh, worth of severance pay. But um, what I would encourage you guys to do is go on the severance pay calculator, type in his um, you know his age, years of service, and position. His compensation and see what it says, and um, and then give us a call and we can uh, we can go over how we can uh, help you get that. All right, done. We're done for him. We'll move on. Uh, finally, I think I have enough time to squeeze in Fred quickly. Hi, Fred. Uh, what's your question? Quickly. Hi, my wife uh, works in retail. She got hurt. Her leg um, was broken, so she had the initial doctor's note. Um, how often do you have to give a doctor's note? The doctor said she's going to be a significant amount of time uh, before she heals. Um, so they've requested another note saying, okay, you've had so many weeks, we got to have one every so often. So what's the rules? Yeah, so there's no specific rules in terms of the time frame. Um, and I do find employers get stuck in, oh, we want one every two weeks or every month, which is you know, absurd. Um, it's a waste of everyone's time, including the doctors and the employers. Um, what I would have the doctor do is say, you know, I mean, how often does she see the doctor? Uh, she goes every two weeks to the fracture clinic, and it's going to be at least another two to three months if you add in physio and everything. She can't put any weight on right. at all. So usually what I, I recommend what they do, what you do is you ask your doctor for a note saying she will be uh, you know, unable to work um, for at least, you know, for, for three months, let's say. If that changes, I'll let you know. Okay. Because once they have a letter, uh, a note from a doctor saying she can't work for the next three months, they shouldn't really be pushing on that because and asking for one every two weeks because the doctor's already addressed it. The doctor said, no, we don't need one every two weeks because I've already t- I'm just telling you that it's three months, right? So that's okay. how, that's how I proceed well. with that. Yeah. That's how we're going to do it for the uh, for the night. Uh, good, uh, good show tonight, guys. Thank you for all your phone calls. Moving forward, you need to get a hold of... Uh, Dave, you can do that at one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. Help at employmenthour.com. And of course there is severancepaycalculator.com as well. All kinds of options. Back here Wednesday night in the weekend shows, of course. Don't go anywhere on point with Alex Pearson returns right here on Global News Radio.